Welcome to episode four. It's time to talk with the dogs. We've learned what your dog already knows. We've learned about the reward system. We've learned how to read body language. Now I'm going to show you how to be a part of the conversation that your dog has been trying to have with you since he met you. You're going to actually see what your dog is saying to you and be able to respond. Remember, he has to have consistent repetition. So he's going to ask you more than once, usually, usually three times. He's going to be looking for a consistent answer. His main question is going to be, who is my pack leader? Pack leaders are calm and assertive. They do not argue. They do not get emotionally involved in a correction. They're confident and relaxed. I can't tell you how many times a day I listen to people describe problems that they're having with their dogs, and it's usually just a communication problem, just because they don't know how to read their dog. Usually the dog is asking a question, but the human just doesn't know how to answer where the dog understands them. So let's start with the most common problems that we have with our dog. Number one is jumping. I really believe that I get more calls on jumping than anything else. A new dog will jump to ask you if you're above him or below him in the pack. If you let that behavior go on without correcting it, it'll elevate into just plain bad behavior. So what do we do? Most of the time, it's a normal reaction for a human to back up or turn sideways when a dog jumps on. Remember remember the two dogs in the park? Jumping is asking you about weakness. So if you turn your back or turn sideways or back up, you're saying to the dog, I'm not your pack leader. You can jump on me all you want. Always show good posture when, you're, when your dog is going to jump on you. If you know a dog is going to jump on you, always make yourself taller. Put your shoulders back. Keep talking to whoever you're talking to and walk into the dog. I always shuffle my feet on the floor to make sure that I don't step on the dog to teach this. But just turn your body towards him. You don't have to turn your face. You don't want him to know that it's getting your attention. But you can see him out of the corner of your eye. Shuffle your feet and walk right into him. Don't say anything to the dog or even make eye contact. Just walk into him. After the second or third time, you'll see that he'll start to respect your space. If he sits down instead, you need to immediately mark that with a marker word and a touch. Now, number two is what? Mouthing. I get a lot of calls about mouthing. In fixing this, you need to be aware that you're going to have some battle wounds. And before I go any further with the solution, let's clear one thing up right now. Don't hold your dog's mouth shut. Don't hit your dog. Don't kick your dog or anything else close to any of those things. That to a dog is an argument. That's just arguing with him and it lowers your status. You just emoted yourself when you did that and you'll never get past any of the things you're trying to get past. What I do is I slide one finger under his neck through his collar with my palm up. I take my other hand and slide it flat into the back of his mouth and I hold it there until he pulls it back. It doesn't hurt him, but he's not going to like it. Then I immediately offer it back to him again. 95% of the time he'll say, um, no, that didn't really work for me that time. Now puppies do teeth, so they do need to chew on things. But there's a difference between a dog just coming up and putting his mouth on you and chewing on your hand. That's a dog who is has tried jumping 
and got the wrong answer or an answer he didn't want. Maybe he's not, maybe he didn't feel comfortable being the pack leader of your house. And you continue to say, no, I'm not your pack leader when he was jumping. So he went to, to level two to put his mouth on you thinking, well, that will get their attention faster. So understand that they do need to chew on things, but I can assure you it's not going to be my hand. Now, if you see your dog chewing on your shoes, don't take them away and replace it with something of more value to the dog, like a flavored chew bone. If you do, then the dog says, if I want a high-value chew bone, all I have to do is chew on her shoes and she'll come running with one. Now, if we had a child and they were playing with something they shouldn't, the child can calculate. And we could say, no, I don't want you to play with this. Look, this is this is much more fun for you to play with. But if I reward a dog with something better, then he's going to learn to go get the shoes because he's no, he's going to know that I'm going to bring him something better. Now, if you tell them to let go and they don't, you can lift his front feet slightly off the ground by the collar and he will let go. Now, I'm not telling you to string your dog up, but I'm telling you that if you put pressure on his neck and lift his front feet up and hold it, the minute that he drops it, you need to pick it up, pull it close to your body and claim it with the word mine. And then you reward him. Never reward before you've claimed it. I see I see this a lot. Dogs will bring the ball back to you or whatever, but then they'll drop it, pick it up, and run off with it. If you do that, the dog thinks he's being rewarded for dropping it, and he'll continue to pick it up and drop it, or he'll run with it. We reward him for giving it back to you putting it back in your possession. And when you pick that up, hold it in front of your chest. And look when he's looking at you and you claim it by saying mine, he'll learn that the word mine means those are things I cannot touch. All right, doors. We've learned in episode one that uh, pack leaders do not allow dogs to go through a door or any opening before they do. In a dog's world, whoever goes through the door first controls the room that they're entering. This is where I teach the wait command. There's a difference in wait and stay. Stay means don't move out of that precise spot until I get back. Then I'll release you. Wait means hesitate for a moment. Never allow your dog to run through a door when you open it. Remember to a dog, a door is a door is a door. If you allow them to run through the back door into the fence yard, you can count on the fact that they'll run through the front door into the street. They'll jump out of your car door. They see a door as an escape when you, when they've been allowed to run through it. Th- this is how behaviors escalate. Dogs that want to get past you and run out the door. So open the back door. Step out the door yourself. Then release the dog to come back, to come through the door after you. Same whenever the dog is coming back in. You're standing inside the house. Make the dog wait when you open the door and then release them to come into the door. But you're already in there. Okay, let's talk about walking, healing, walking, whatever you want to call it. I go straight to heal, but a lot of people want to call it loose leash walking. For this, we need nothing fancy, no gimmicks, no tricks. A slip lead is all that I use. Avoid the myth about getting a heavier or wider collar or leash for a bigger dog. That's just not how that works. The skinnier the leash, the more correction you get. The wider the leash, the less correction. Think if you had, um, I think if you put 
um, one finger on your arm and press down compared to four fingers on your arm and pressing down. The one finger, you're going to feel more. The trachea is in the middle of the dog's neck. The choking mechanism is below that. So place the slip lead as high as you can get it on the dog's neck and push the slide in tight to make it stay in place. The dog should always be on your left side. The slip lead sits as high as it can go, touching the back of the dog's ears. The ring is on the dog's right side of the neck, just below his ears. Slide the slide in again. Slide the slide in all the way. Your left hand should be holding the leash as close to the dog's right ear as you can without pulling it tight when, whenever your arms relax. This makes a correction just a flick of your wrist instead of raising your arm above your head. The rest of the leash should be in your right hand. The rest of the leash and your right hand will become your prevalent hand as you continue training if you're training with me. We end up using our right hand that's holding the end of the leash more than we do the left one. But when we first start, you want to have that left hand close to the dog's head. Arm relaxed. And when your arm's relaxed, it shouldn't be tight. But if you were to flick your wrist backwards, it would be able to give a correction. Remember, the only time that you put any pressure on the leash is when the dog's doing something wrong. You have to teach yourself to release the tension. It should be a simple, quick tug in the direction that you want him to go. If you pull straight up, he's going to sit down. Make a lot of turns and a lot of stops and starts. Speed up and slow down. Make sure the dog sets his pace to yours, not yours to his. Don't wait on him. Don't allow him to sniff while he's doing a structured walk. There's a time and place for that. I'm not telling you that he can't ever do that. I'm telling you that when you are exercising your dog, his body and his mind, there's no time for sniffing. This walk establishes your relationship with the dog. It doesn't need to be a long walk, just brisk and intentional. Doing it this way doesn't give your dog time to think about being dog aggressive or going after a squirrel etc. No stopping when a car comes by or when you see a dog coming. Think think of, I don't know, let's say, think of if you had a neighbor in your um, neighborhood that was the topic of gossip because maybe she did something people didn't like. You and your friend are walking down the street and you meet her on the street. Would you stop and freeze until she went by? If you did, wouldn't your friend be confused and ask, wow, what was wrong with that that person that walked by that made you just Go into freeze mode when you saw her. Or what if a car passed and you stopped and froze? Your friend would probably say, are you afraid of cars? That car wasn't going to run over you. Why did you stop? Do it happy and relaxed as if you're walking with your best friend. Now next, <laughs> no retractable leashes. How in the heck does anyone control a dog with a retractable leash? I, I'm sorry, guys. I years I've tried to understand this and I just a big clunky um I mean I'm still asking myself that question every time I see one these things are a detriment to dog training and they give a verbal command Brrr, click click Brrr, means run click click means choke and people who use them they don't know how to position a collar so it's usually sitting right on the poor dog's trachea Burn that trash, man. Burn that trash. No harnesses. We've already learned that whoever's out in front is in charge, right? So tell me, have you ever seen a mule pulling a plow? What's it wearing? A harness. Have you ever seen a dog pulling a sled? What's it wearing? 
A harness. Have you ever seen a horse pulling a wagon? What's it wearing? A harness. A harness distributes the dog's weight evenly so that it doesn't hurt them to pull. So if I wanted my dog to drag me around, what would I put on it? A harness. I'm sorry. Um, that's ridiculous. Large corporate pet stores want to sell you anything that they can. And they will tell you that harnesses are better for your dog. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for them. If you are, I had a lady one time that put an older lady that needed a harness on her dog because it was a tiny, tiny little dog. And she was going on um, a boat and she was afraid that the dog might fall when she went up the steps to the boat. I don't know what the deal was with that. But anyway, I did suggest to her that she put a harness on it. But you have to put everything that you put on there to where it fits the dog. Remember that the dog's neck is very, um, it's, it's a huge communication passage. So if you have a collar on your dog that is so loose that it'll slide over the dog's head, it then it's moving around and it's constantly sending a message to your dog that doesn't mean anything. And after a while, your dog's going to tune you out because you're just blah, 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 and all day long. So any harness, any collar that you do put on, make sure it fits your dog tight enough to where it cannot slip out of it. Okay, so now I want you to go have a conversation with your dog. I want you to choose an area that you might be having trouble with, like the time, like a time that maybe he normally would jump on you or mouth you. I want you to do more observing than anything else. I want you to study your dog's body language and I want you to think about what you've learned this far. And then I want you to experiment with it. We haven't really gotten down. And again, I'm, I'm just going to pretend that you've never taught your dog anything. And that we're starting over from the beginning. I want you to experiment it first. And then we'll start getting more structured after that. Remember, sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's when he's going to start to argue with you. After all, you told him he was in charge. Okay, so he is going to argue with you. Now, you have to prove to him that, number one, you know the rules. He didn't know you knew them, and he's going to argue about that. Mm -mm, no, you don't, you don't do that. That's not what you usually do because he's memorized your behavior this far. Number two, you're going to be consistent in enforcing them. You're going to be calm, assertive, and consistent. Number three, he'll be rewarded for being obedient. He will answer with no. Is this how we do it? This is not how we do it. No. And you're going to say, not anymore. Welcome to the world of I Speak Canine. Let's get started. <laughs>